Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Listen as Pastor Michael Cox teaches on Redeemed Today. So let's start in verse 8, Ephesians 5, starting in verse 8. For you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light, for the fruit of light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord, do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them, for it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. But all things become visible when they are exposed by the light, for everything that becomes visible is light. For this reason it says, Awake, sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Therefore be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise. That's where I want to pick up today. We, we ended last week with awake, sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. But I want to look a step further of what that looks like. Therefore be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise. Making the most of your time, because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. And be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time, because the days are evil. Making the most of your time, because the days are evil. I have just been overwhelmed the last couple of weeks with this idea of living with purpose. Living every moment with purpose. I was talking with somebody this week, and we were just talking about our homes and um, how that a couple of weeks ago at my house, every night for about a week, I had kids just up all night. I mean, not necessarily sick. Sometimes they were saying their belly hurt, but we couldn't find anything wrong with them. And... uh, and, but they were just up, I mean, all night. They just couldn't sleep. I mean, just coming in the room, leaving the room. Um, you know, Nehemiah came in one night, like 4 in the morning, and brought his diffuser into me. And he said, I said, what are you doing? He said, I'm going to go in here and fill this diffuser up. You know, and I'm like, it's 4 o'clock in the morning. Go to bed. I mean, just completely random <laughs> stuff. And I realized, good to see you guys. I realized that... Um, I realized somewhere in the middle of that week, man, there's something off at my house. There's some reason why my kids are not resting and not sleeping. And I realized that some things that I was doing was not bringing peace in my home. I was on steroids from my throat, and I was having a hard time going to bed at night. So normally we all go to bed. But dad was staying up. And so everybody's going to bed, dad's staying up. And somehow, I believe my staying up was just changing the, what we do at night at my home. I know that may sound silly, 
but it was a spiritual thing that I was up and it just just not not setting the tone of rest and peace in my home. So I was forced myself to go to bed. And uh, so, and so I was talking to a friend of mine and we were talking about different things in his home. And I just, just came to this realization again of the intentionality that we must have. See, we want everything to be set it and forget it. Yes. We want to punch a ticket, know we're good and leave it alone. But you know that Satan is the prince and power of the air. He's called the God of this age, right? And we're not supposed to be afraid of him, but he is given a measure of authority on this planet because we gave it to him, right? And Jesus came to redeem it, and now we have it, but it's up to us to exercise it, right? But he has a measure of authority. So we can't say a prayer, write our name on something, roll call, and set it and forget it. See, the lines have fallen favorably for us. The in-between is over, right? Jesus came to fulfill promise in our lives. We can lay hold of that promise, just like in the Old Testament when they could lay hold of the promised land, but we know that they did not lay hold of the full promise. There were lands they left untaken. And so there are things that we can leave untaken. And we can also lose ground that we've taken. Yes. See, I believe that, that there is no neutral. No. It's either forward or backwards. It's either enlarging the place of our tent or diminishing the place of our tent. The increase of his government should know no end. And so we are part of his government that should be increasing and enlarging. It should be enlarging in our life. We should be lay holding more of his fruit, of the harvest, of his promise. Our family should be growing in grace and enlarging. We're either doing that intentionally or we are losing ground. I believe there is no neutral. And so it's very important that we live on purpose. It's important that we are careful how we walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of our time. Making the t most of every moment. I was reminded after that conversation of Newton's law of motion. Now, I've shared this before with you guys. I think it was on Wednesday night. But Newton's law of motion, first law is an object in motion, excuse me, will remain in motion unless acted on by an outside force. Also, an object at rest will remain at rest unless acted on by an, uh, by an outside force. Okay? We are born into a sinful world. We are born in sin. Because of one man's fall, one man's sin, we now are born in sinful nature. And unless acted on by an outside force, we remain in that sinful nature. But thanks be to God, in rich in mercy, he sent his son, an unbalanced force. See, that's where Newton got it wrong. It said for every force, there's an equal force. There is no equal force to him. He came, and he just absolutely pushed back the forces of darkness. He acted on our 
perpetual motion of sin, and he changed the course of our life. Amen? And so we're so thankful for that, but we have to continue to be submitted to that force that is moving us. If we're not continuously submitted to that force, we'll find ourselves veering back into the motion or the rest that we were in before. And so it's not a one-time thing where we set it in the GPS and forget it. You know, we don't have the automated life, the automated car. It is still speaking. Wisdom is at every gate, but we are still responsible to either listen and make the turns or to not. It is not something that he controls and he removes all of our choices. If we want to continue to grow in the plans of God, then we have to continually live a life submitted to his purposes and his will. And the same for our family. We have to be intentional. He is just illuminating it to me so strongly how unintentional I live some of my days. How fruitless some of my days can be. I can be busy. I can be doing lots of stuff, but I can be doing a lot of stuff and not be where he's wanting me to be. I can be busy but not busy about his business. I can be busy about my business, and my business doesn't produce the fruit of his business. And so it's a, it, it is good for me to do the work of the Father that brings glory to him, but it's good for me, and it fills my life. And we have to be intentional careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise. We should be enlarging. We should be growing. Let's look at 1 Peter 4. Since Christ, though innocent, suffered in his flesh for you, this is uh, the passion, now you also must be a prepared soldier, having the same mindset, for whoever has died in his body is done with sin. So live the rest of your earthly life no longer concerned with human desires, but consumed with what brings pleasure to God. For you've already spent, I like this, as we're going into a new year, I don't think there's something magical. I don't get into all of it. I've not found time-sensitive prophecies that we can go and say, 2019 is this. God can speak to you. He spoke to me in 2018. He spoke to Jahan about 2019. He can speak to you individually. We talked about that a few weeks ago on Wednesday night. What are the promises of God? There are promises that are personal and have been spoken to us, and there are promises that are corporate that just do not vary and do not change, and they are available to all that will take hold of them. But I don't think we can go around, and some people try to, every year is going to be the year, right? And we get so caught up, and we try to make every year, and put the numbers this way, and this way, and this is the year, and this is the year, and this is the year, and we find ourselves observing days and hours, and thinking that God is somehow bound to some type of ritual, or numeral, that, that, that he's going to have to do this in this year, and all that stuff. What's amazing is, and some of you can correct me if you'd like to, but I have not been able to find where the prophecies that have not been fulfilled as of yet are time-sensitive 
prophecies. We know that Daniel prophesied the coming Messiah, and I mean, he nailed it. The Lord gave a time frame to him, and he nailed it. And that's amazing. But what is left before us after Jesus came and the word became flesh and walked among us, he brought time, he brought the outside of time and space, the kairos, it trumped the chronos, and we're no longer bound by time. We're not waiting on some measure of time to be fulfilled. We're just waiting on the kairos moments of God to happen. There are things that are going to happen before his second coming. But the Bible says no man knows the hour or the time. We do not have a prophecy that we can say, okay, this is going to be the year. We're no longer on some type of chronological calendar where we're waiting to see when God can move on our behalf. I believe that it's subjective. I believe that it's in our hands. I believe that what he is waiting on is he's waiting on us to mobilize and do the work of the kingdom before he comes. The Bible says he's tarrying because he would that none should perish. And he's waiting for us to become the church and do the work of the kingdom. So we're no longer can just sit around and just say, okay, it's a new year. Let's see. Maybe God will do something this year. It's going to be up to you to decide. It's a new year, and I'm determined that God is going to do something in my life and in my family this year because by faith, I'm going to lay hold of all that he has for me. I love verse 3. I think we all have to decide this. For you have already spent enough time doing what unbelievers love to do. Have you spent enough time already doing what unbelievers do? And it goes on to say some big things, and I, we talked about this last week too. Some of us, we don't even know what these words mean, never mind not doing them. Living in debauchery, I remember... Uh, <laughs> I tried to make this little segment in our staff meetings because I, I can be a little difficult. Like, I mean, I, I really like excellence, so I can be a little hard on them sometimes. And uh, so I've tried to put out there some of my brightest moments to make them know just how good they are, even if I'm getting on to them, you know. And so I've told them about leaving kids places, you know. I've told them about doing some stupid stuff. And here's another great story. I was a youth pastor down in Chattanooga at Redemption Point Church. It was Mountain Meadows at the time, and um, it's Redemption to the Nations now. But I was youth pastor, new youth pastor, and they had a men's retreat. And their men's retreat was at Panama City. And so... That's awesome, guys, right? We Come on, let's bring that home. We went deep sea fishing. We had a big four-story house with an elevator right on the beach. I'm feeling that. Men's retreat, baby. Men's retreat. Come on, I did preach myself happy right now. But we went to this, uh, we went to this, to this house, and we were at the beach, and and they were like, let's go somewhere really just manly tonight, you know, and just let's go. Where's, where's a good place to go eat? Here I am, the new youth pastor, right? I got students there. Their parents are there. And I was like, and, and, and we did this. My dad took my family, when we went to uh, Panama City, Destin, 
we went to this place called McGuire's Irish Pub, right? McGuire's Irish Pub. I didn't read all the signage when I went. I mean, you know, we just went. It was a cool thing. You put dollar bills up and sign them on the wall. There's like millions of dollars. They have to actually count them every year and file it with the IRS because of how much wealth is on the wall. So everybody that goes there, I'm, I'm, that's serious. Uh, they told us that. So they, uh, so the, you pin up these dollars on the wall and everything. So I'm like, I've got the perfect place, man. The guys will love this. They've got these little rooms that we can get in. You know, we can all sit in this room, these cool little big round tables. It's like you're back in the old days, you know, in Ireland or something. Felt like we were in Lord of the Rings, you know. <laughs> and, and so, man, we drove. I'm like, it's not far. So that's the first thing. We just drove and drove and drove and drove. I'm like, it's right up here, I promise, you know. They were hating me before we got there already, you know. And, and I'm like, you know, when you think you absolutely know where something is, but you didn't think it was that far, so then you're freaking out, like, is it even here? <laughs> was this a dream that I had that I went there one time? Was that in Daytona Beach when we went? I mean, I'm starting to freak out, you know. And so we drive probably 10 times longer than what I told them it was. And we get there, and literally this restaurant has, I don't remember all the words, but it's McGuire's Irish Pub, and then it has something, something, debauchery, and all these things. You know, and Kevin Wallace is passing, we walk up, and he just looks at me, and he's like, dude, are you serious? And I got, I got kids in my youth group, you know, and I'm like, hey, look, look, let's go over here. Let's walk in here. They take us in this room. There is this six-foot-long laying down naked lady. <laughs> I said, can we please go in another room? <laughs> so they move us to another room. But, I mean, I absolutely butchered that. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was the worst thing. So every time I read debauchery in scripture, I think of McGuire's Irish pub, okay? <laughs> so if you don't know what that word means, that's what it means, okay? <laughs> that's what it means. Do not go to Irish pubs with stuff all over the place. It's not, it's not healthy or holy or good for your life. And, uh, and so it took me a while to Live that down, and uh, it was rough. So, it's been long enough living in debauchery, sensuality, partying, drunkenness, wild drinking parties, and the worship of demons. They marvel that you no longer rush to join them in the excess of their corrupt lifestyles, and so they vilify you. We talked about this last week. Blessed are the ones that they vilify for making a stand for what's right. Now, we can look at all these things, but we talked last week about jealousy, envy, strife, anger, malice, all those things. Do, we, do people marvel that we no longer want to involve ourselves in those things? Or do they know we're down with whatever they want to do? But one day they will have to give account to the one who is destined to judge the living and the dead. This is the reason the gospel was preached to the martyrs before they gave their lives. Even though they were judged by human standards, now they live in the spirit by God's standards. Verse 7, since we are approaching the end of all things, be intentional. 
purposeful and self-controlled that you can be given to prayer. Above all, constantly echo God's intense love for one another. For love will be a canopy over a multitude of sins. Be intentional. Be purposeful. You know, John 9, 1 and 11 is a passage. Let's just paraphrase it for time. It's a passage where Jesus comes upon a blind man and the disciples begin to ask him, who sinned, this man or his parents? And Jesus responds, neither this man or his parents sinned. And I've heard an interpretation and I've researched it myself and I think it's possible to, that this is an accurate uh, interpretation, but whether this is an accurate interpretation or not, I think it still means the same, and I'll explain to you in just a minute. But it says, neither this man sinned or his parents, and then there's a colon there, but it says, but that God will be glorified when he's healed. And then he goes on to say, we must do the work of the Father while it's still day. And so you can take that and you can, you can, say, you can see that there's a break there and, 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 and some people have interpreted it and I've looked it up in their original language. Really, you can, some translations say, so that, uh, that it would be, really take that a little bit further, but that. And you could actually say, neither this man sinned or his father, his mother, father, and you could stop it right there and you could start a new sentence and say, but that. God be magnified, we must do the work that he sent us to do. Like it's irrelevant why he's blind, but if he's going to be magnified, we've got to do work. Now, whether you put the break there and whether you think that's a stretch or not, it still can be, I don't believe God makes anybody blind. Why would he make people blind and then heal people of being blind? He didn't play games with us like that, but... I think that he can allow someone to be blind so that he can heal them from being blind. So whether you say it's not so that putting the blame on God for making him blind or that you say um, it's not that and it starts a new sentence and just so that we, God's magnified, we must do the work. Either way, we have to believe God didn't make people blind. And he can just say Satan made them blind because Satan... We let Satan do things all the time that brings glory to us. And so, but that God will be glorified, we just let Satan do some stuff sometimes so that we can show him how pitiful he is. I do believe that nothing can happen unless God allows it to happen. And so I believe he allowed the man to be blind. But the point is, whatever reason he's blind... We can argue about it all day. If somebody doesn't do the work they're sent to do, he stays blind. But if somebody will do the work that he sent us to do, if somebody will live purposely and intentionally, blind people will regain their sight. And God will be glorified. But people have to do work. People have to lay hold of the light while we're still in the day and do work. We must take advantage of the time. We must be aware of the time. We must live with urgency. We must live with intentionality. We must live with purpose 
to accomplish the good work he's called us to do. Romans 13, 11, to live like this is all the more urgent for time is running out and you know it's a strategic hour in human history. It is time for us to wake up for our full salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. James 4, 13, listen to those of you who are boasting, today or tomorrow, we'll go to another city and spend some time and go into business and make heaps of profit. But you don't have a clue what tomorrow may bring. For your fleeting life is but a warm breath of air that is visible in the cold only for a moment and then vanishes. Instead, we should say, our tomorrows are in the Lord's hands. And if he is willing, we will live life to its fullest and do this or that. But here you are boasting in your ignorance for you, for to be presumptuous about you'll do tomorrow is evil. If you know, so if you know of an opportunity to do the right thing today, yet you refrain from doing it, you're guilty of sin. So many times we make our plans just completely unyielded to what God's will may be for our life. And we just say, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to do this, without ever just thinking, God, is this your will for me? Is this where you want me? Is this what you want me to do? We handle situations. We handle people. We respond, we react, we just go off the handle. We never, sometimes we just do not even give him a place to speak into a situation. Before we know it, we've made three actions without any leading of the Holy Spirit and we're in a place he never intended us to be. Because we just, just so strongly just move ahead and just begin to make our plans and our declarations. And he's just there wanting to lead you. Man, would you let me speak into this? Would you let me give you some wisdom in this? Would you let me help you in this a little bit? Would you let me, would you give me an hour to speak to you before you respond to that text? Would you give me just a moment before you call them back? Would you just, you know, we talk about counting to 10. Could you just ask me just what I think? Would you just give me just an inch in your life to speak? That's being intentional and being purposeful. When we just respond like animals in every situation, that is not bringing the kingdom of God. That is not expanding territories and enlarging. That is just completely going with whatever we feel in the moment and respond. And you know what happens in that? Your lot decreases. You're yielding ground. Because those moments could have been infused with the Holy Spirit and the grace of God, which would have brought enlargement to those people that you were speaking to. Ephesians 4.29 says, let, don't, don't speak words, uh, unwholesome words, but let your words be full of grace for the moment to bring edification to those that hear. Are we allowing grace to infuse our words or are we just reacting so quick? 
Do you see that grace is the force where sin abounds much more grace abounds? Grace pushes back. And if we don't allow grace to be in our words, then our words are lacking and they're unwholesome. They're, com they're not complete and lacking nothing and they have no power to bring edification to those that hear them. So if we speak words of lack, then we're diminishing people. If we're speaking words, diminishing, lacking words, condemning, cursing words. I don't care if you use a four-letter word. You can cuss somebody up one side down the other and never use any of the words on your little book. We've tried to master so much not using a little slang word. We use 15 other slang words that mean the exact same thing, but we don't use the one because that's the bad one. But we'll go around and we'll, we'll, we'll lace somebody. We'll put them in the ground. We'll bury them six feet under. We'll just crucify them with our words. But I'm holy. I didn't say any bad things. And here's what I'm saying. It doesn't just happen. It doesn't just happen. An object in motion continues in motion. If you're not intentional with your mouth, your mouth will speak curses instead of blessings. We have to be intentional. We have to take these vessels. So great where we ended up today. We have to take these vessels and be poured out. We can't let our hands and our feet and our mouth and our minds be instruments of unrighteousness and slaves to unrighteousness. We must let the grace of God and the truth of God invade our actions and our words and who we are intentionally. Not just, I'm going to do this. God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to say? Who do you want me to be? Are we giving him that place? Are we giving him that vote? Are we giving him that voice in our life? And when we choose to do that, it doesn't matter if it's 2018. It don't matter if it's 2019. It don't matter if the ball drops or not. It is a new day for you. I sent somebody a text this week. I just have observed their life, and it's almost uncomprehendable the dramatic season season let me drink some more of this water <laughs> spilled all over myself it's hard to be bougie when you do stuff like that Y'all wasted that on somebody who just ain't, ain't worthy. I'm not worthy. <laughs> but this person has been in a winter, would call a winter season, such a place of oppression, such a place of lack, such a place of bombardment of the enemy, just telling lies and believing lies and hopelessness. You know, and I just watched a shift happen a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago, maybe a little longer. Time is, I'm outside of time and space. <laughs> 
I was talking to somebody yesterday, and they said, man, just a little while ago, and then they were like, well, about five years ago. I'm like, I do that all the time. I mean, it's hard, you know. It's hard now. Sometime in the recent past, real recent, not five years ago, in the last couple weeks, month, just seen this drastic change. Drastic change. I mean, you just could not even believe it. And it's one thing, and then it was another thing, and then that beget another thing, and then that beget another thing. It was like glory to glory to glory to glory. And just this person is just transformed into this beacon of light. This person would come and many times, you ever interact with somebody where many times you feel this pull when you're around them? Because there's such oppression, and so you feel this pull from you to try to bring them up. We transition from that to where now I'm around this person, and I'm just filled up with the glory from their life. And I sent them a text this week, and I said, you changed your season. You thought for years you were waiting on God to work a miracle in your behalf, but you changed your season by faith. You laid hold of what he had already yes. bought for you. Yes. And faith arose in you to the point where you said, I am not living like this again. Yes. Oh, it wasn't. January 1, 2019, we were just like a month away from that. Why don't we wait and make a New Year's resolution? Don't wait another day to lay hold of all that he's secured for you. Take it today. Take it now. Take it for your family. This person is just overwhelmed, bringing such light and such hope. Man, Pastor, that's kind of... I don't know, that's, on, that's borderline like heresy, you know, like we do all that. Really? There was a woman who suffered with an issue of blood for 12 years. And Jesus didn't come find her. Jesus didn't say, hey, it's all aligned and today's the day. You've been waiting and you've been waiting and now I'm just going to give in and I'm going to come. He just came near. And she decided, today, if I can touch him today, I'll be healed. And you know what he said to her? It sounds a lot like the text I sent. Twelve years, she had paid all she had to physicians and had got none better, but had grown worse. And she said, if I can but touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. That's what she decided. And she pressed through the crowd. And she pressed through all the people. And she touched the hem of his garment. And if he was so intentional about finding her, he probably wouldn't have said, who touched me? If it was a planned encounter on his part, I think he would have touched her. Or went to find her. She touched him. And all he was doing was walking by. 
The kingdom of God is at hand. Will you lay hold of it? Will you grasp it? He said, woman, your faith has made you whole. He didn't say, woman, my power has made you whole. He said, my power is my power. I mean, that's just what it does. All I did was make it available to you. But your faith is the one. Your faith is what made a demand on my power. Your faith is what made you reach out and take hold of the kingdom of God that is within grasp. So I think it's okay to say your faith changed your season. Your faith decided your life would change. It's been available to you. It's been prepared for you. It's been provided for you. But your faith laid hold of it. Matthew 6, 9 through 13. We all know this passage. Pray then in this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I want to read this from the Passion Translation. Pray like this. Our Father, dwelling in heavenly realms, may the glory of your name be the center center on which our lives turn. Manifest your kingdom realm and cause your every purpose to be fulfilled on earth, just as it is fulfilled in heaven. We acknowledge you as our provider of all that we need each day. Forgive us the wrongs we have done as we also, as we ourselves release forgiveness to those who have wronged us. Rescue us every time we face tribulation and set us free from evil, for you are the king who rules with power and glory forever. Amen. May the glory of your name be the center on which our lives turn. Manifest your kingdom realm and cause your every purpose to be fulfilled on earth just as it is in heaven. Look at Matthew 16. Verse 13, now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he was asking his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, and others Elijah, but still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. I want to read this a couple of different translations. I hope you are okay with that. I absolutely just love to just expound and and just see these different takes on this. And you can judge for yourself how great they uh, reiterate the text. 
Let's read it in the message. When Jesus arrived in the villages of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, what are people saying about who the Son of Man is? They replied, some think he's John the baptizer, some say Elijah, some Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. He pressed them, and how about you? Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter said, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus came back, God bless you, Simon, son of Jonah. You didn't get that answer out of a out of books or from teachers, my Father in heaven, God himself, lets you in on this secret of who I really am. And now I'm going to tell you who you really are. <laughs> you are Peter, a rock. This is the rock on which I will put together my church, a church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. And that's not all. You will have complete and free access to God's kingdom keys to open any and every door. No more barriers between heaven and earth, earth and heaven. A yes on earth is a yes in heaven. And a no on earth is a no in heaven. When Jesus came, passion. When Jesus came to Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples this question. Who are the people saying, what are the people saying about me, the son of man? Who do they believe I am? They answered, some are convinced you are John the baptizer. Others say you are Elijah, reincarnated, or Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But you, who do you say that I am, Jesus asked. Simon Peter spoke up and said, you are the anointed one, the son of the living God. Ooh, I just love that. Jesus replied, you are favored and privileged, Simeon, son of Jonah, for you didn't discover this on your own, but my Father in heaven has supernaturally revealed it to you. I give you the name Peter, a stone, and this truth of who I am will be the bedrock foundation on which I will build my church, my legislative assembly. Come on, who's got a gavel? My legislative assembly. And the power of death will not be able to overpower it. I will give you the keys of heaven's kingdom realm to forbid on earth that which is forbidden in heaven and to release on earth that which is released in heaven. Legislative body, I appeal to you today. Take your place. Use your keys. Use your power. Use your authority. Live with intentionality and purpose. Do not shrink back as some shrink back. Do not lay complacent. Do not be dormant. Do not say, ah, oh, sirrah, sirrah, what will be, will be. No, I'm a legislative body. What will be is what I say it will be. Don't go through life just thinking, well, what is, is, and I just, I just, I don't know what tomorrow holds. I'll just respond and react and just like a pin, pinball. We're not pinballs. We're not just helpless and hopeless. We're not just tossed around like people in the sea. No scripture says if you don't believe, 
when you ask, you shouldn't expect anything in response. You're just like a wave tossed in the sea. Upon this revelation, I'll give you keys. Without this revelation, we're walking around helpless. We have to believe he is who he says he is. And because he is who he says he is, we are who he says we are. We have what he says we have. What's been purchased, what he says has been purchased, is ours for the taking. Our lot lines have fallen favorably, and we even have the ability to expand them. Once we take all the ground that we have, I believe we can take more ground. What a waste. When we live, well, the second passage I read to you today, have we not lived enough time like the other unbelievers? Have those of you that have the revelation of the kingdom, who God is, have we not lived long enough like people who don't even know him? Have we not lived long enough? Has the time not been well served? Has the time not been overdue? Where we've just lived like everybody else in the world? Like really, what he says and who he is doesn't have any impact on who I am and what I can be. Maybe one day, if all this is true, I get to go to heaven. That's kind of just a wish and a dream, maybe. But all this stuff right now, I don't believe he's into all this. I don't believe he cares about all this. I've seen good people suffer, so he must not care if we suffer. I've seen injustices happen, so he must not care about injustice. Really? The woman suffered with an issue of blood for 12 years. He must not have wanted to heal her. Or maybe he... He healed her as soon as her faith made her whole. We let our circumstances, our situations determine our faith. Simon, this Barjonas, this is not revealed to you by your situations and your circumstances. This is revealed to you by faith from the Father. If we're going to live with intentionality and purpose, it's going to be built on the foundation of believing every word that proceeded from the mouth of God. And Jesus was the word that put on flesh and walked among us so we can look at the life of Christ and we can lay hold of everything he laid hold of. We can believe God for everything that we saw him do. We can walk in it. We can have that same authority and that same power. I believe that if he healed sickness, we should heal sickness. If he set the captive free, then we should set the captive free. If he broke the chains of the demoniac in the tombs, then we should break the chains of the demoniac in the tombs. If he raised the dead, I believe we can raise the dead. But we have to believe he's really who he says he is. And that he really is a direct representation of the heart of God. 
and that we are supposed to be ones that live with intentionality. And we are saying, you know what? That's illegal. That's illegal. That's not in the kingdom. And it's not going to be in my home. You know what? That's illegal. That's not in heaven. And that's not going to be in my body. You know what? That's illegal for me to be filled up with things that are worthless and pointless. I will not, no longer put those things in my body. I'll no longer find worth in places outside of who he is. I will take some authority over my life instead of just being tossed around saying, man, you don't know my story. You don't know who I am. You don't know how helpless I am. You don't know who my dad was. You don't know all my reasons why I am the way that I am. I know that who he is, and I know what he came to buy for you, and I know what he came to purchase for you, and I know that he came to set you free, and I know that the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and you can lay hold of it if you want to. Your words to you can be, your faith has finally made you whole. Or you can continue to say, it's not my year. It's not my time. It's always somebody else. It's always somebody else. What's amazing in this same passage of the woman with the issue of blood, Jairus had got to Jesus first and had him on the way to his house to heal his daughter who was sick at the time. And this woman interrupted the procession, cut in front and got her healing. While she got her healing, his situation got worse, but his faith didn't diminish. <laughs> Come on, do we think God is limited somehow? Whole, complete, and lacking nothing. Holy is holy. There is no little holy, big holy, partial holy, somewhat holy. Complete is complete. Lacking nothing is lacking nothing. No one else getting their breakthrough is going to diminish what he's able to do for you. No one else pursuing promise and laying hold of it is going to diminish what he's able to accomplish in your life. It's going to be determined by your faith. It's going to be determined what you can believe him for. Can you believe God? Going into 2019. Can you not wait to see if Jahan thinks it's going to be a good year? Or if Michael thinks it's going to be a good year? Or if he's got a word for this year? Or your favorite person on TV thinks it's going to be a good year? Or if your aunt who's real spiritual thinks it's going to be a good year and she calls and tells you. What about what he said? What about what he says about you? What about what he says? What about when he said the kingdom is at hand and it's never going to leave you again? If he said the kingdom is at hand, it's at hand. If he said it's expedient for you that I go away, because if I go not away, the comforter cannot come. He was not saying, I'm going to go away and diminish the kingdom that I brought. He went away to, to increase the kingdom that he brought. Y'all really believe that? Some of y'all believe that? Amen. He never backed up again. We went forward. Forward. Glory to glory to glory. We're in a greater glory. Some of y'all, we're, we're in a greater glory today than when Jesus walked on the planet. 
I'm really going to be in trouble now. Don't put that quote by itself on, on our social media. Okay? <laughs> Got to put it in context. We're in a greater glory. If he says it's expedient for you that I go away, Jesus was a man. Jesus was at one place at one time. Now he's everywhere. Omnipresent through the Holy Spirit. We're in a greater glory now. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. That's great for me. He stepped it up. And we stepped it back. Many have taken the charge and kept moving forward. But some of us have let time diminish what we believe him for. We've become weary in well-doing. We've become diminished. We've, we've lost heart. We've let our circumstances and our situations in the world around us cause us to lose faith and believe. And we've stopped pressing through crowds. We've stopped saying today's the day. We've stopped saying, I'm not leaving here till I'm changed. We've stopped saying, I will not take another breath this way. We've stopped. We've quit being determined. We've quit being resolute. Some of you may hear this today through a lens of harsh or challenging and condemning. If you hear it that way, you're hearing it wrong. You're hearing it wrong. It's impossible to give an opportunity to grow and enlarge without the adversary trying to say, someone saying you're not big enough. But I'm going to constantly be faithful to provoke you to enlarge. Not because if you enlarge, it makes me look good and maybe we'll grow a church and we'll do all that stuff. I could care less about that. But for you and your house and your family and your life. You can be whole, complete and lacking nothing. You can abound in every area. You can prosper and be in good health as your soul prospers. You can be holy as the one who called you is holy. It's a command. It's a promise. It's a confirmation. When he says, you shall be holy as I am holy. And we can take that as a condemning word or we can take that as an invitation. Sometimes the God of this age has blinded the minds of some of us to where we see his word and we see words like today and we see them as constrictive and challenging and like condemning words. Sometimes we see scripture as Man, this is just rules and regulations. Like we're an orphan going into a new home. A new set of rules. People just want to lord over us and dictate to us. Or we can see it for what it really is. A love letter from a loving father who just wants us to know everything that's available to us in his estate. Because he doesn't want us to miss one thing. And it's pretty vast. So he just tries his best to get it to us. And through us. To everyone else around us. Can you stand up with me this morning?
this word to you today is the word to me this week. The challenge to me. I'm not going to have false humility and say I'm worthless and I'm just not doing anything any good. I'm doing a lot of good things. I am. That's not arrogant or boastful or prideful, but I, 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 I know that I am. I know my life. I know what I've submitted to God, and I know what I yield to him in, and I know that I'm doing things that he's called me to do, and I'm obedient. And yet, there's so much that he's prompted my heart that is available to me. Not grand, ambitious things. Some things in the life of my kids. Some things in the life of my spouse. Some things in the life of my family. My extended family. What can I do to bring the kingdom to more places that I have access to? God has been very strategic with your life. He's placed you where he's placed you. Who in here chose where you were born? Who you were born to? Who your family was going to be? What state you were going to be in? You were sent. You were sent. To be sent somewhere with a purpose and a mission. And then to just exist in that place as if we're just here. As the unbelievers think. Show you a video. I showed it in youth ministry. It's a little too youthy for you guys, but just somebody on the street asking people what purpose is. And it's heartbreaking, the answers. The sad thing is, through many years now in ministry, I find that the answers on the street don't differ much from the answers in the church. And we wonder why we feel empty and lacking. And so far from holy, complete and lacking nothing. While we're just going day to day. Rolling with the punches. No responsibility. No authority. See, so many people that get bent out of shape when someone says, hey, we have authority, we should take it. And they say, hey, that's blasphemy. You should never say we have all that. We're just submitted to God. Well, a lot of times we make that argument because we don't want to have any responsibility. What will be is going to be. It's already mapped out. God's already in charge. We have nothing to do with it. We're nowhere in it. Tell that to the woman with the issue of blood. Tell that to the many people in Scripture that he said, Today, your faith has made you whole. Tell that to a man hanging on a cross beside him that said, Today, you'll be with me in paradise. Tell that to so many people that rewrote history 
by making up their mind that they would lay hold of what he made so readily available for them. And yet we just say, man, I just, I just, whatever, I don't know. You have a purpose. You have a purpose. And living in that with intentionality is where you will find fulfillment in life. When you approach relationships to see what you can get out of it, you'll never get enough. When you approach relationships to see how much you can put in them, you'll always get running over. It's a kingdom mindset. It's living and intentional. When you love your spouse, when you do good deeds to your spouse to see what you can get from them. Yeah. <laughs> it's never going to be enough. When you love your spouse because you love your spouse and you look for every opportunity to show your love to them and meet their love language, you'll find fulfillment in that, worth in that. When you go to your job and try to climb the ladder to see how high you can get, you'll never find fulfillment in that. When you go to your job to serve your employer as unto the Lord and to be a servant and to be one that is, walks in integrity and faithfulness, you'll find fulfillment in workplace and you'll find favor and God will raise you up. It's every area of our life. We're not living with intentionality and purpose and we're wondering why we walk in lack. I'm not even waiting one day. I'm not waiting until 2019. I didn't wait till today when he spoke to me. Man, Reinhard Bonnke told a story. Daniel Kalinda is the successor to Reinhard Bonnke. If you don't know who he is, he's won literally millions of people to the Lord. Millions, hundreds of millions of people, I think, at this point, to the Lord over the years. He'll have five million people at a crusade in Africa. Lord called him to Africa, and he said, Africa is his heart. But there was a word. The Lord spoke to Reinhard Bonnke one day, and he, Daniel Kalinda had been wanting to do this thing and wanting to establish this building and make a headquarters, and Reinhard Bonnke had said, no, we're not going to do that. Well, then one day, the Lord spoke to Reinhard Bonnke and said, I want you to build that building, and it was like 4 o'clock in the morning. And he called Daniel and he said, hey, man, let's, I need you to meet me. Five o'clock at this little place. Let's go meet. Daniel's like, okay. So they go meet. And he said, they get done talking. And I mean, nothing is going to happen that day, you know. I mean, they're going to have to go through some process. So when they get done meeting, Daniel's like, you know, we could have had this conversation like nine o'clock, eight o'clock, you know. What's the deal? And Reinhard Bonnke, a man of great faith who's led millions to the Lord, this is what he said. He said, because when the Lord speaks, I want him to see me jump with intentionality. Are we letting him speak and are we jumping? Are we responding? If you hear this as condemning today, you need to let the Lord transform your mind. Because you're believing lies. 
that God's trying to get stuff from you and he needs you to do stuff because he, he just is using you. You're missing about what he wants to get to you in fulfillment. Prayer counselors, will you come down? I want to give people an opportunity today before we leave to pray. Just very straightforward. We don't have to work something up or stir something up or try to leverage you and do a countdown to a moment to see if you'll respond. If the words prick your heart today, you want accountability in your response, you want agreement in your response, just come down and find somebody here to pray with. They'll agree with you. Anybody, I just want to live with intentionality. I want to live with intentionality. I want to live on purpose. That's okay. However many come, come. I want to live with intentionality. You know, I see it like this. Anybody ever driven somewhere? And I'm not talking about being drunk. I know some of you have done that too, but... Have you ever driven somewhere and you get there and you have no idea or you, you come to a place on the interstate and you're like, man, I don't even know what's been happening for the last 10 minutes. Anybody done that besides me? I'll be driving on long trips and I'm like, thank you, Lord. I was, mind, I was just subconsciously driving, I guess. And I've just been like, whoa, what have I been doing? So many of us live that way. Anybody ever got through a month or a week or a year and been like, Whoa, what have I been doing? What's been going on? What's happening? How did I get here? I never intended to be here. And we just kind of put it on auto, autopilot and thought that it would just drive itself. Thought we would just be where God wanted us to be because he's a good God and he's in control and he'll, he'll just take us there. And you found yourself just somewhere totally where you didn't want to be. That Lord's Prayer is so intentional. When it talks about give us this day our daily bread, literally living each day with a dependence on His Word and His provision. Does it mean His Word or does it mean His provision? Yes. Sometimes the worst thing that can happen for us is we don't need him. Those seasons when we don't need him, we find ourselves not even talking to him. Sometimes the assignment in the, of the adversary in your life is to make everything work perfectly for a season so you don't need God and you quit being intentional about him guiding your life. Anybody else, they're still open. We're just going to pray for a few moments. If you need to be dismissed, you can be dismissed. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Be sure to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Redemption Life. 